Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Are the New England Patriots really in the running for Chris Godwin? Every offseason brings speculation across all fan bases, and the Patriots fan base has never been immune to it. However, after a 7-9 and nine season, Pat's nation has lost all patience. Right or wrong, a, a good majority of Patriot fans want Bill Belichick to make a big move. In fact, I've heard some people say Belichick better make a big move or his ass will be firmly on the hot seat. Whether you believe that or not is up to you, but I think what's obvious is the Patriots are going if the Patriots are going to make a run in 2021, Bill Belichick has a lot to do. The Patriots need a quarterback, tight end, defensive tackle, edge rusher, linebacker, and secondary depth. Even though that's already a long list outside of quarterback, the Patriots' biggest need is wide receiver. Under no circumstance can New England go into the 2021 season with Jacoby Myers as their number one wide receiver. And with a plethora of talent set to hit the open market, ESPN's Bill Barnwell believes that the Patriots are the team in line to snag Tom Brady's current pass catcher in Tampa Bay, Chris Godwin. Now, of course, having a player like Chris Godwin doesn't mean anything if the Patriots don't have a quarterback. And whether it's through agent, through free agency or the NFL draft, the Patriots are going to have to find somebody to throw the football. Because we sure as hell know that it's not Jared Stidham. That leaves us with a lot of questions. And one that pops to my mind is, do the Patriots have to draft a quarterback in the first round? Because according to fan-sided Sam Minto, they do. Football, football, football. And even though the Super Bowl is going to be played this Sunday, there's still going to be a lot of talk surrounding the New England Patriots. But I have good news for everybody. Spring training starts in four weeks. And that means that spring is just around the corner. And that means that the Red Sox will officially be turning their page from their dreadful 2020 season and focusing on the 2021 season. Pitching, of course, is still a question mark, but... Some Red Sox fans are wondering, what's going on with Jackie Bradley Jr.? Unfortunately, it doesn't sound like it's going to be a reunion, and it doesn't sound like it's going to happen at all. What's going on, peeps? It's your boy, Ray. I'm with my boy, Connor, and welcome to the Dear Pats Nation podcast. And we are back. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a really great show lined up for you, but time is always an issue for us here over on the 
Dear Pats Nation Patreon page, I put out a video today reacting to Teddy Bruschi saying that Matthew Stafford wasn't tough enough to play in New England. And guys, I know it sounds like a lot, but for five bucks a month, you'll get just as much content on Patreon that we put here on the podcast in the YouTube page. All original content and subjects extra live streams it's all exclusive to our patreon members there's no tiers of supports it's five bucks for everybody guys i'm not crying but youtube takes half our revenue so this is just another avenue for us we're not asking you to sign up for nothing we promise we're going to work our asses off to pump out the content and entertain you you can find us over at patreon.com slash dpn sports we've also left a link in the description we want to thank our first two patreons ross and terrence for signing up and supporting dear pats nation connor how's it going buddy yeah buddy what's going on guys how we doing uh living the friggin dream it appears absolutely the weather was a little warmer here today that's a good thing right it's it? actually it's actually warmer here too, like substantially warmer. It was like forty degrees, which is like summer basically right now. Yeah, basically a lot of the snow was all melting today, but we got a big storm. That storm you guys just dealt with is coming in tonight, apparently. Yeah, it was like eighteen inches here, so that'll be fun for you guys. Fantastic. So when I start complaining, you're just gonna say I'm crying to deaf eyes. Yeah, <laughs> deaf eyes, deaf ears. Deaf eyes, yes. <laughs> Same thing. Oh, Same difference. One of those days. One of those days. I'm pissed. I bought new pants today that I bought online, and they came in two sizes too big. That's not a good start. No, I'm wearing them right now, but they're super ass baggy, and I'm not happy. Not happy Dude, whatsoever. Touche. Baggy jeans used to be cool back in the day. They did. They're not jeans, though. They're like white joggers. Oh, all right, all right. You might have to return them, right? Oh, but it's the Amazon. It's such a pain in the ass to return to Amazon. Now they have no CEO. It's going to be even more difficult. No, I know. Well, I heard you're in line for the job, aren't you? Um, we're getting a couple interviews. That's what I thought. I'm dabbling. Car salesman to to CEO of Amazon. It's a common jump. Excellent. Um, dude, so I read some interesting articles today that the Patriots are maybe the lead team projected to sign wide receiver Chris Godwin. Really? Saw it on ESPN, saw it on heavy.com, bunch of people talking about it. Kind of took me from surprise. Yeah. Hence the name of the podcast today is Patriots projected to sign Chris Godwin. Um, do you think that there's actually a chance that Chris Godwin hits the open market, or do you believe that he's going to be back in Tampa Bay next year? Um, that's interesting. Um, I wasn't on Twitter much today, man. That's crazy. I honestly, in my mind, didn't really think he would hit the open market. I thought he was going to kind of be a shoe in to end up back in Tampa Bay. I haven't thought too much about him. He's kind of like, uh, in my mind, like Dak Prescott almost – where I just think he's really not going to move, but maybe he is. Um, do you think they'd consider franchise tagging him? Well, that's it, been that's been my know. thing. If they don't want to pay him, will they just go and franchise franchise tag him? I'm just um, I want to look at what Tampa Bay's Tampa Bay uh, salary 2021 because I want to know right what their salary cap situation is. Now, they're going to have Gronk off the books. They're going to have AB off the books. Yep. OJ Howard off the books, but he's not costing them that much money. Uh, I think Nadamika Sue's off the books. Shaq Barrett. I think these these guys are off too. So the Bucks are going to have about, before the reduction of salary cap, they're going to have $38 million in salary. Okay. That's not uh, a ton of money, but it's not terrible. No, it's not. I, I think what I want to do, though, is see exactly who their free agents are. Because as much as Tom Brady was probably the 
biggest reason that they they went to the Super Bowl this year. They've also had a much improved defense over last year as well. Yeah. Yep. So depending on who's who's up. So here's their free free uh agents. Uh Shaquille Barrett. Yep. Levante David. Oh boy, yep. Uh Nadomikin Sue Gronkowski. Yep. Stephen McClendon. Uh Joe Hag, Leonard Fournette. Mm-hmm. Ryan Smith, Antonio Brown, uh Rakeem uh Nunez Roches. Is that it? Roches? Uh, uh, I'm not sure on that one. Yeah, there's I mean a lot of of defensive guys are going to be you know and then I'm looking here Chris Godwin's going to be a free agent uh TJ Lo- uh, Logan's going to be a free agent Pat O'Connor's going to be a free agent so it, it's going to be interesting uh all of them that are all the people who matter are all unrestricted free agents so yeah I mean there's going to have to be some and I'm looking more at Barrett and David. Like that's probably going to be the the big names for them. Those are two outside right. linebackers, one worth 15 this year, one worth 10 this year. That they're going to have to. I don't right. Know, they're both going to want to get paid, I assume, too. Both of them had really good seasons and are continuing to have good seasons in the playoffs. So I can't imagine they're going to take pay cuts. So are we just going to assume one goes back? Like if we were, if this was the mm. Patriots right now, would we assume one? I of mean, the two? I. Yeah, I would think that they're going to sign at least one of those two guys back. It's going to be tough for them to let both of them walk because they're two big parts of the defense. I guess. They they might not have the money. They might have to part ways with Godwin. So let's talk a little bit more about Godwin since there's a lot of people linking him to the Patriots now. What do you like about Chris Godwin? What do you not like about Chris Godwin? I liked Chris Godwin all year, man. He He's kind of like, I know people were saying he's going to come in and play like the Edelman role, which I guess he he could, but he can also stretch the field. The only thing I haven't liked about him is, and all of a sudden in the playoffs, man, he has the drops lately. I don't really remember that in the regular season, but there were a couple balls this this playoffs where I was just like, how did he not catch that? But he also made some spectacular catches that he shouldn't have caught either. Drops were a problem early in his career. Yeah. In 2017, 61.8%. In 2018, 62.1%. Now, some of that could be on Jameis Winston. Right. 2019, which was his career year, he had 86 catches for uh, 1,300 yards. 71.1% of his balls caught. This year, he had 65 catches for 840 okay. yards. 77.4%. I mean, okay. that's that's a good number for a wide receiver when you're in the high 70s. Yeah, that's really good. That's because really I think good. I think Edelman is is in like the high 60s for most of his career. And we've always right. seen him as one of the more reliable catchers. Like when you're catching almost, you know, just under eight out of every 10 passes, that's pretty good for a wide receiver. But yeah, no, the, but the playoffs has been a, a different story altogether. Uh, the other concern is over the last two years, he, he hasn't played 16 games. Right. 14 last that's year, true. 12 this year. So there is a little bit of that injury kind of stuff with him. So I don't know. It's That's just laying it out there. And, and I get what you're saying. Would Chris Godwin become the true number one uh, receiver that the Patriots so. are looking for? Like if you compare him to like an Allen Robinson? Yeah, I, th- I put him in the similar class to Allen Robinson. I think it's basically him and Allen Robinson are kind of like the clear cut, like people who would be the two best wide receivers and the two biggest stars that everyone's going to kind of be gunning for. Um, I put him 
depending on the season, I right up there kind of with OBJ as well. Um, I, I don't know. I think Chris Godwin's a good player. Well, let's look at a hypothetical for a second. And this isn't going to happen, but it's just to where you're at, right? If the Patriots signed both Allen Robinson and Chris Godwin, who would be the number one? Oh, oh man, probably Allen Robinson. Okay, if they signed Chris Godwin and traded for OBJ, who would be the number one? Oof, that's a tough one. Probably because, OBJ, man. If OBJ is his vintage self. But he hasn't been his vintage self in a while. That's in a I little think, while, I know. And I, I think know that Andy's that's, coming off that injury. That, I believe, is one of the problems, right? Like, it, it's... Right. He's... So I'm just pulling up... Uh, I'm just pulling up the the PFF grades right now just to take a look. Allen Robinson was the fifth best receiver in the NFL this year. He had a grade of 88.3, a receiving grade of 88.5. Basically his pass blocking and run blocking is probably what took down his total offensive grade uh, so low. Right. I'm going to tell you right now that that grade is nowhere close to Chris Godwin or Mike Evans or Scotty Miller. They're so much lower than him like it, it's more than 10 really and look so and i want actually let me see i hope uh you know what odell may not have enough that's stats. true Be, yeah because he got injured pretty early in the season i feel like no he's there 38th overall with a grade of 75.3 a run grade of 90.2 or receiving grade of 73.7 and a passing uh, run block grade of uh, 54.5. So his receiving grade is below Chris Godwin's. Chris yep. Godwin's uh, ranked 28th overall, 76.5. Antonio Brown is the 15th ranked receiver on, on PFF. Really? Can he Is he good at run blocking? Is that a part of it? No, 55.1. No? He's oh, lower so he's than not Odell. Even good at that. He's got a receiving grade of 82.7. Really? Chris Godwin has a receiving grade of 76. I guess maybe just because AB never drops a pass. or I don't, I don't know why he's that high. I wouldn't expect him to be. So the way PFF grades work is a whole bunch of different things. It's the defense they're up against, goes into effect, the pass is thrown to them, that kind of thing. Uh, player profiler can actually give us a better breakdown of this. So let me pull that up and let's compare the two because we'll get an actual sense of player profiler has some really cool statistics, which are like true receiving percentage. So, which means they take out bad passes and only right. count like your drops and that kind of thing. So I'm going to pull them both up and I want to see this year. And I, and again, AB had much more limited snaps, you know, yep. I mean? opportunities were, were different. So you have to take that into account as well, but I believe that PFF does. Player profiler just gives you the pure statistics, right? So right. the snap share for this season for Chris Godwin was 86.5% of the snaps. It was 27th amongst all receivers in the NFL. Not bad. Top 30. Yeah. He took 357 snaps out of the slot. That was 17th. Uh, team passes per game, basically 2.31. That was 10th. Uh, so I'm looking here. He was targeted 84 times. Da -da -da -da. Target share was 18.9%. So not bad. There's his target rate, his hog rate. Okay. So his yards after the catch was 41th overall in the NFL. 
His true catch rate was 86.7%. So that takes into account every overthrow, underthrow, you know, contested right. catch. Okay. 48th in the NFL. Yeah, so, so not great. Top 50. Yeah. Antonio Brown's catch rate is just his catch rate is actually lower than Chris Godwin's. Godwin's being 77.4%. Antonio yeah. Brown's being 73.8. Because from a catch percentage at 77.4%, Chris Godwin was fourth in the NFL. Antonio Brown, 17th at 73.8%. Just to remind you, true catch rate is for Chris Godwin, 86.7%. Antonio Brown, 95.7%. Damn, so that's why he's so high. Yeah, so that puts him... So that's it. When you when you look at the PFF grades and go over to player profiler, that kind of gives you the story of where they're at. So his true catch rate, so if Brady would have thrown a good ball to him or he wouldn't have been in like blanket coverage, that kind of thing, yeah. you know, um, that was it. He was 90th in snap share though. Compared to Chris Godwin, who was, I believe I said 27th, right? Yeah, so yeah. That, that will take into effect as well. And I want to ask you a little bit about, about Godwin now, because, okay, so none of the, outside of Antonio Brown, none of the receivers in Tampa Bay are ranked in the top 25, which I'm, I'm going to lay out there, kind of, it breaks up that Brady has a team of, you know, all-stars argument. Right. But Mike Evans was ranked, or sorry, Chris Godwin was ranked 28th. Mike Evans was 39th. Antonio yep. Brown was 15th. Scotty Miller was 68th. That sounds okay? about right, yeah. And then Tyler Johnson was 107th. Okay. When it comes to Chris Godwin, who I want to point out had one 1,000-yard receiving season, which was last year yep. with Jameis Winston, not this year with Tom Brady. 525 his first season, 842 his second season, played full 16-game seasons. Last year he had 1,300 yards, only played 14 games. So he could have Sheesh. been close to, to – but Jameis Winston also like over 5,000 yards passing, so that's going to lead up. Right, right. They were always losing, and he just threw like crazy. Could this be a Muhammad Sanu situation where Chris Godwin and Mike Evans need each other? Like would Chris Godwin suddenly not look as dominant – yeah. Not being on that roster. Right. Yeah. I mean, honestly, it probably does. I haven't thought about that until now. I'm kind of thinking about it. I mean, you got to really concentrate on either Mike Evans or Chris Godwin. And when you have two really good people, it makes it so much difficult for the defense to pay attention to both of them. And that's kind of what we saw before when Gronkowski was in his prime. You know what I mean? People had to put so much attention on the Gronk. It helped the other receivers. I think, yeah, playing in that offense, he's playing and it's definitely helping him. Guys, we're going to get into your comments here about Chris Godwin in a second, but I need to take a quick time out and tell you about our sponsors over at the Rocky Mountain Barber Company and how you can save yourself 5% on every order by using the promo code RayRoute. Male hygiene is important, and the Rocky Mountain Barber Company has you covered. Visit RockyMountainBarber.com and get all the products you need to take care of your hair, beard, and skin. Get their small batch, all-natural beard bombs and oils, pre-shave oils, lotions, hair products, razor blades, and so much more. Visit Rocky Mountain Barber Company and use the promo code RayRoute and save 5% off all your orders. Get your small batch hygiene products at RockyMountainBarber.com. 
Now, male hygiene is at number one on the list and male grooming is a very close second. And our partners over at manscaped.com has you covered with all of their grooming tools and products. Listen, if you're shaving an area as delicate and as important as your balls, you have to make sure that you're using the right products. So take a listen and hear how you can save yourself 20% off every order by using the promo code RayRoute when you visit manscaped.com. You can get your male hygiene and grooming tools and take care of everything below your belt from manscaped.com and use the promo code RayRoute and you'll save yourself 20% and get free international shipping. So take care of your boys and get all of your male hygiene and grooming tools at manscaped.com. All right, Connor, let's get into some of those comments. All right, we got three literally right in a row here, all on Chris Godwin that I think is kind of ironic. I'll start with the first one. It's from uh, from Dominic. He said Godwin is a number two, right? Um, which we were kind we, of talking about. Is he a number one? Is he a number two? Well, yeah, and that's that was the thing, right? We know that Allen Robinson would have been the clear number one. We would yep. have put Odell as the clear number one. And that's why I brought up the whole fact of does Chris Godwin need Mike Evans? Like, does he need a number one? You know, because I like I if we look at the Patriots, I always say Julian Edelman didn't look like Julian Edelman after Gronkowski wasn't there anymore. Right. right? And would Godwin look like Godwin without Mike Evans on the other side? Right. And that's what McChicken said here. These th- these three comments came in right right one right after the other. Godwin's only a number two because Mike Evans is in Tampa. Which so then is Mike, kind of what we talked about, yeah. So then Godwin. So I think what he's saying then is Godwin would be a number one. Oh, right? if Mike Evans like, wasn't yeah. there, he would be a number one. Yeah, if and that's Mike what Fasil's Fasil said. He said Godwin is easily a number one. So it's a it's a, a mixed bag here between whether he's a number one or a number two with a lot of people. No, no. And and I get and I'm not trying to dismiss what Mike what what Chris Godwin is. What I'm trying to figure out is is the impact that like I'm looking at Mike Evans right now. Yeah. Mike Evans was brought in the league in 2014. He's hit a thousand yards since 2014. Yeah. Yeah. One 1,051, 1,206, 1,321, 1,001, 1,524, 1,157, 1,006 this season. Again, wow. Yeah, that's just absurd stats right there. So that's what I'm saying. How much does Chris Godwin right. benefit from Mike Evans? And I'm not saying that he that Chris Godwin can't go be a true number one, but I do worry about that. Like yep. I look at the Muhammad Sanu effect because of Julio Jones and, and AJ Green when he was in Cincinnati, if I'm not mistaken. You know what I mean? So that's only where my concern is. I'm just pulling up Muhammad Sanu stats right now. Yep. Because I want to see them in Atlanta comparable to not in Atlanta. So like when he was in Cincinnati, first of all, Muhammad Sanu has never hit a thousand yards. Yeah, that makes sense. Mohamed Sanu's best year was in 2014, of course, A.J. Green, yep. where he had 790. When he went to Atlanta, sorry, no, his best year was in 2018 when he had 838. 2016, he had 653. He had 703 in 2017, 838 in 2018. 2019, he played for Atlanta and the Patriots. He had 313 in seven games when he left Atlanta with Julio Jones. 207 in six games with the New England Patriots. Uh, last year in 20, uh, with 2020, he had 178 yards in four games with Detroit, where they actually had some pretty capable wide receivers. 
and one game nine yards with the uh, with the San Francisco 49ers. Oh, now I'm yep. I'm looking at his reception percentage, high sixties and seventies. Outside of 2014, we only caught like okay, so 2012, 13, 14, his first three years in the league, 64 percent, 61, 65 or 57.1. Okay. Then he goes 67.3, 72.8, 69.8, 70.2, 66.3, 70.8% in 2020. Very Julian Edelman-like receptions. Yep. Chris Godwin's numbers are a lot better. But right. he's played with Mike Evans his whole career, but comparable. Mohamed Sanu played with A.J. Green and played with um, uh, Julio Jones his whole career. Yeah, yep. I, I think... Chris Godwin's definitely better than Sadu. Um, I just don't know, like like we're saying, I kind of over underestimated, I guess, how good Mike Evans is as well, because I kind of thought they were neck and neck for the, like both being number ones there. But it seems like Mike Evans is a clear-cut number one, and Chris Godwin's kind of the number two. And I don't think I was trying to make a straight comparison between the two because Chris Godwin's a thousand times better yeah. <laughs> than, than Mohamed Sanu. I was just wondering how much better he is with Mike Evans. Right, right. All right, let's do a couple more. All right, we got a uh, donation from our boy Ross. Bring Ross up here. Thank you very much, sir. He says, thoughts on Brewski saying that Stafford is soft. I'm going to let Connor take that because I already cut off like a five-minute video on that on Patreon, and I don't want to rip off our Patreon. So, Connor, I'll leave that one for you. Yeah, I I just saw that briefly. So what it was saying, I think, if I, I'm not mistaken, that Bill Belichick is, um, you know, very hard on the quarterback and that he's not mentally tough enough to handle that type of criticism. Is that I think correct? If I, if I was going to sum up what he said, basically, yeah, he's not tough enough to to be in New England. And, you know, basically, Matthew Stafford ran away from, from the work. You know, very similar to like when Brandon Cook said, like, it's only hard if you're afraid to work. Right. That's that's kind of crazy, man. But coming from Brewski, I think we were saying this the other night, like Brewski, Rodney Harrison, um, these type of guys that played for Belichick for a while back in the day, they they don't really come out and talk a lot of smack. So for Brewski to say something like this, I think maybe that's the reason Stafford didn't want to come here. Maybe it doesn't have to do with Matt Patricia or, you know, whatever the Patriots have going on at the wide receiver position. Maybe it's he didn't want to come because he knows Belichick's going to be difficult and demand a lot out of him, and maybe he, does, he doesn't want to deal with that, so he went to go play with Sean McVay instead. But if Brewski says it, there's probably something there. Yeah, uh, but Brewski doesn't talk a lot of smack, but he protects the Patriots' way and the mm-hmm. Patriots he a does. lot. He I does. can't go much further. I got things I want to say, but I'm going to start just wasting what people are paying for on Patreon, so I'm going to keep my mouth shut. Let's do one more. Alrighty. I have one here. It says uh, from Matthew Matthew. Nice name. I like it. He says, Godwin ain't worth it. Need Allen Robinson. Um, I'll, I'll leave that one up to Bill Belichick and you know, what, what he wants to do there. I, I don't, I don't know who will fit into the system better, to be honest with you. I know Allen Robinson caught a ton of passes this season. Chris Godwin. I, I don't think you can go wrong with either of them. They're, they're both good options. I think, too, that we need to point out what Allen Robinson did in just turmoil at the quarterback position. Right. I know. He, he was playing with Trubisky, Foles, Trubisky, Foles. And he had 1,200 passing yards this year, catch it, receiving yards this year. Yeah. 78.1% of his catches made, 717 last year. Here's the whole thing, right? He's been in the league since 2014. I don't think people realize how long Allen Robinson's been in the league. Hit 1,400 yards in 2015, hasn't had a 1,400-yard season 
or hasn't had a thousand yard season until 2019, but now he's back to back 1,000 yard seasons. 1147 last year, 1250. Allen Robinson is definitely the best receiver on the free agent market. He's also going to be the most expensive. Right. Um, and as I said in the intro of this uh, of the podcast today, is the Patriots have a lot of holes to fill, and you can get Allen Robinson, Chris Godwin, and trade for Odell Beckham Jr. If it, it, it's not going to work with Jared Stidham throwing them the football, they still need to address the quarterback situation as well. Yeah, yeah, they still need to address a lot of situations. So let's move on to the, to the quarterback situation, okay? Yep. Because Sam Mitten, a fan-sided, put out a thing uh, the other day when we kind of talked about it when he said that Ryan Fitzpatrick was a waste of money. And can we clear the comment? Oh, uh, yes. When he was a waste of money. And he said that the Patriots have to, have to, draft a quarterback in the first round. And that's a little bit contradictory to what Mike Reese said over on the weekend. And he's like, Hey, if your guy's not there, don't pick a quarterback just because it's a positional need, pick the mm -hmm. best player available. You have a whole lot of other positions you got to fill. So what if the quarterback they want is already gone? What if it is Mac Jones and Mac Jones goes with the number eight overall pick? Do you take, you know, a, a shot on, on a Kyle Trask in the first round? You hope he drops to the second do you take a guy just for the sake of taking a quarterback in the first round? Do they have to take a quarterback in the first round? No, I'd honestly prefer that they didn't do something like that because this is such an important position. Obviously, I don't want to see them just potentially waste the first round pick when they really need one. You know, obviously, if Bill comes into the draft very specific on a quarterback and he gets drafted before number 15, I don't want him to just go and reach for the next person and hope that it works out. I'd rather see him go after somebody else at a different position at a different need and hopefully go all in on somebody that he's very high on. So I don't, I don't want him to just say, hey, we need a quarterback no matter what we're drafting a quarterback at number 15. I want to wait and see if the person that he actually wants is there. And if they're not, then I, I would not take a quarterback. Have you noticed that I made things much easier on you tonight? I'm just feeding you the questions. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> You're welcome. Thanks. Um, listen, the Patriots are in a precarious position because you're trying to, you know, can, we, we've heard that they're going to be uber aggressive in 2021. Uh, I think Tommy Curran referred to it as uncharacteristically aggressive, Yeah, whatever that means. I mean, I've already seen the jokes. It's probably not even jokes. People are probably being serious. You know, I saw Billy Bob's comment in our, in our video the other day, like, you know, that Bill's going to be trash and he's just going to sign some nobody. And, you know, and, and there's a bunch of Patriot fans who, who, yep. who have that that similar feeling over and over again. Um, so it's tough to try to do both right now. So I'm going to put this on you for a second. If you could only pick one, okay, you could only pick one. And it's either build for the future or build for this season. Mm -hmm. And there's pros and cons for both. Yeah, definitely. What would you prefer, to build for the future or build for this season coming up? Build for this season. I want them to win now while they still have Belichick. I don't think Bill Belichick's going to be around that long. Um, if, as important as the future is, I think the time is kind of now as well because Bill's going to be, what, 69? I don't see him coaching five years. I see him coaching three more years, four more years, something like that. So I want to see them try and win another Super Bowl with Bill Belichick or at least go and make a serious playoff run. I I think he's earned it. I want to see him make that happen after Brady's left, not even out of like a competition thing of like who's better. I just want to see him succeed after all of this. 
so okay so well that actually i i was gonna say something else but actually that leads perfectly right into my next question let's pretend for a second that mac jones and kyle pitt are both available at number 15 okay mac jones won't be a starter in 2021 kyle pitts will kyle pitts could be a player to instantly turn around the patriots offense or combine it with the other players mac jones is a guy who in maybe neck in 2022 could be the starting quarterback and be the you know have that sustainability at the quarterback position for the next 10 to 15 years right if it works out i'm not saying mac jones is gonna work out but if it works out because we don't even know Kyle Pitts is going to work out. Everything's a crapshoot. You think it's going to happen. Yeah. Yep. But let's pretend if we go by projections, Mac Jones is going to work and Kyle Pitts is going to work. They're both available at 15. In your logic of build for now, you take Kyle Pitts. But if yep. they're both available, who do you want the Patriots to take? Because if the Patriots say are successful this year and make the playoffs, they're now picking 25, there may be no Mac Jones available next year. Right. And right. 25. That's- that's very true. I mean, I, I we'd have to see what they decide to do at quarterback and free agency. Um, I don't I don't know if the plan is to try and get somebody like Jimmy G because then you would have somebody for the next four or five years when you can try and win. But I mean, if if they're going to go with somebody like Ryan Fitzpatrick, then maybe you do want to take Mac Jones instead because then the the odds of you actually winning the Super Bowl this year might be low. But also, at the same time, Kyle Pitts could be, you know, an absolute stud because if you go out and get somebody who could be, you know, the next Travis Kelsey, that's, you know, going to gonna be absurd for the next 10 to 15 years. It's going to almost be as good as having a, a pretty good quarterback. I do want to remind you, though, that the Kansas City Chiefs had Tyreek Hill, had Travis Kelsey. It wasn't until they had Patrick Mahomes that it became, I mean, they were no threat in the playoffs. They yeah. were a good team, and I know they they pounded the Patriots on Monday Night Football. I know they pounded them on the home opener in 2017. But at the end of the day, Alex Smith could never take them to the promised land. Patrick Mahomes came in like a fiend. Look, Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the NFL right now, but don't for a second pretend. And Chiefs fans, if you're watching, don't for a second pretend that he doesn't benefit from having that offense in front of him. Right. And, and, and that's not taken away from Patrick Mahomes, the same way Brady's offense doesn't take away from him. They both have stacked offenses and a really good, a great quarterback on both sides should be able to even elevate those guys to a higher level. Yep. So there's my concern that is listen, Jimmy G is not the future. He's a bridge, right? He really is a bridge Fitzpat, And then if they don't get Jimmy G it's in Fitzpatrick. It's Cam Newton. It's Trubisky. It's Jameis Winston. Those are the the, the lineups coming up for quarterbacks after this. So right. that's my concern. And say it is Jimmy G. And then he gets hurt week two. Now it's Jared Stidham throwing to Kyle Pitts. Yeah, whatever season's over. They bring in. Right. So it's a tough one for me. I think if you have the quarterback who you think, like, again, Going under the assumption they're both going to work. Right. Kyle Pitts is probably going to be a more impactful player than Mac Jones. I think that Kyle Pitts will be the top, one of the top of his profession. I doubt Mac Jones will ever get to the level of Mahomes and what Trevor Lawrence is probably going to be and possibly what Joe Burrow could be. Like, I don't think he'll be in that disguise. He may be a Matthew Stafford type of quarterback that's sitting around 10, 11 on the list. Yeah. Dak Prescott, 
for instance, Dak Prescott to me is not a top 10 quarterback right now, but he sits around that top 10 in that, in that list. And it should be good enough to bring your team to, to a championship. Assuming they both work, I'd rather know we have a quarterback for the next 10 to 15 years than just a bridge guy trying to build off of a, a Kyle Pitts or whatever, because I think it's easier to find a receiver and a tight end than it is to find a quarterback. That's true, too, because quarterbacks very rarely hit the open market free agency-wise. You can always get a tight end or a wide receiver um, through free agency every offseason. That almost never happens with quarterbacks. I mean, if they're that good, they're going to stay with the team that they have. Even if they're solid, you usually don't see them hit the open market. So it'll be, like you said, Fitzpatrick, Trubisky, these type of guys. If the Patriots are competing in 2021 and they do what you want, and that's built for this season and not build for the future. This is actually, if this is what happens in the draft, this is exactly the way you'd want it. But let's pretend like Mac Jones goes early and, and you know, those top four or five go early before the Patriots get to 15 and don't trade up. Could this be a draft? I know it sounds crazy, but could this be a draft where the Patriots don't take a quarterback? And would you be upset by that? Yeah, I think at some point they have to take a quarterback, even if it's in one of the later rounds, to at least see what somebody's got. I think it's worth taking a flyer at the end. In the beginning, as much as I don't want to see them draft for position and just take a quarterback, I mean, once you get to the later rounds, like fifth, sixth, seventh round, I think you might as well take somebody at that point because you never know if you're going to find somebody who's a diamond in the rough and is able to come in and compete. You know, we've seen people obviously in the fourth and fifth round end up being really good quarterbacks. I think Russell Wilson was one of them Tom Brady obviously I mean he'll he'll never be found again but at at that point I feel like it might be worth it to try and find somebody okay but can I throw the counter argument yeah Russell Wilson and Dak Prescott are good examples of people not taking in the top 10 you know what I mean or not taking the first round if you're Dak Prescott yeah Tony Romo I think was undrafted right uh yeah I believe so well let's talk about the top quarterbacks in the league Yep. Aaron Rodgers, first rounder. First Tom, rounder Bra- yep. Tom Brady excluded from this conversation, okay? Yep. Josh Allen, first rounder. Patrick Mahomes, first rounder. Right? Let's let's look at the let's look at the NFC and AFC championships. Two first rounders. Yeah. In the AFC, one first rounder in the NFC and a freak of nature in Tom Brady. Okay? Right. We have to remember that Tom Brady has done throughout his whole career what nobody will ever do again. Nobody's going to get drafted in the sixth round and be the GOAT. Nobody's going to play till they're 58 years old and still playing like they're 25, right? right. So you can't, if they're taking a fifth or sixth you're, and, and you get lucky and you catch lightning in a bottle, you're talking about Dak Prescott. You're not talking Tom Brady. Right, right. right. If you start going through the whole playoffs... Whether they're Jared Goff, first rounder, right? Mitch Trubisky, first rounder. Yeah. Um, As much as he's, you know, they've had their issues, first rounder. It's you start going through that list. uh, Breeze was a first rounder, was he not? It was so long ago, I don't remember. Yeah, I think he was. So do you get what I'm saying? So it's it's, to me, it's like I get what you're saying. Yeah, but no, I, I... it, it has predominantly been first rounders who have succeeded in the NFL as, uh, he was a second round quarterbacks. Pick. Okay. 30, 30 yeah. Pick. Okay. So he was picked 32 
in 2001 oh. in the second round. So he was. Yeah, so he's a first round pick now. Yeah, he'd be a first round pick today. Right. With the expansion. But yeah, so that's my thing is why take another Jared Stidham when you could draft another Mike on Wienu in the fifth round? Right, right. Because we're not getting Joe Tooney back. Yeah. Let, let's face it. I've seen projected numbers of 20 million a year. Right. Which is Joe just, Tooney. it's just not going to happen. And they got to sign David Andrews back. Right. Who's, who's going to be expensive as well. Don't give me, he's going to take a hometown discount. I'm calling it right now. David Andrews is going to take a hometown discount, but I guarantee you it's not going to be cheap, even though it's a discount. Right. No, I agree. I, I think he might not go to the open market and try and like jack up his price, but he's still going to want to get paid, you know, relatively what he's worth. Guys, we appreciate everybody who watches us here on Deer Pats Nation, listens to us on the podcast, hangs out with us on YouTube and Facebook. Appreciate you all. And all we're asking for this free content is you take one and a half minutes and just listen a little bit more detail about our Patreon page. As you're listening to that ad, Connor's going to start looking through the comments and picking out five comments for us. Hey, if you enjoy the lighthearted, wholesome content that you get from the Dear Pats Nation podcast, YouTube, and Facebook page, and wish that you could get more, you are in luck because Dear Pats Nation has launched our Patreon page. We didn't add any ridiculous tiered levels of support. We're not asking you to pledge 20 bucks a month for five bucks. That's right, five bucks a month. You'll have access to daily exclusive Dear Pats Nation videos. You'll get traditional vlogs from Connor, Sarah, and I talking about the Patriots, the South Celtics and the Red Sox, but we'll also have ex exclusive interviews, behind the scene footage, bloopers, early views of videos that aren't available on YouTube, live streams exclusively for Patreon members, and that's just scratching the surface. We're not going to make you pay a monthly fee if we're not committed to adding and making it the best possible experience for you. We're not in this to get rich. We're not in this to rip you off. We just want enough to pay our bills and being able to create on Patreon is just one way we're trying to do it. So please come check out our check out our Patreon page over at www.patreon.com slash DPN sports. We've also left the description in, or we've also left the link of the, in the description of our YouTube and Facebook videos. We don't think you'll be sorry. So please, at the very least, at least go check it out. And if you don't want to sign up and you don't want to pay, that's all right too. We ain't mad. You can still expect us to be here streaming live every Sunday through Thursday at 9 p.m. Eastern time. But if you want to get more, go check us out over on Patreon. I regret, yeah, adding, buddy. I regret adding that music. No. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, final break of the night when we tell you where you can find some of the best custom jerseys in the world. It's going to cost you like 60 bucks, and you're going to save some money too by using our promo code over at our friends at fcustom.com. Fcustom.com is your spot to find the best custom baseball, basketball, and football jerseys. Choose from hundreds of designs and colors and customize the jersey any way you want. Use the promo code RayRoute and save yourself 10% to get the best custom jerseys at fcustom.com. All right, Connor, you got some comments for us? I certainly do. I have uh, one here from Gerald Gerald. Uh, Kyle Pitts is probably not a difference maker in the NFL like he was in college. Ah, what do you think about that? I mean, obviously that's gonna we're gonna have to wait a year or two to to find that out, but I don't think that Kyle Pitts will be an impact at tight end like he was in college. And I've said that from the beginning. I don't see Kyle Pitts as a traditional tight end. What I believe though is is you can draft Kyle Pitts and convert him to receiver. That's right. my thing. And I think he could be very DK Metcalf like. 
Uh, he's got a black, a blocking issue. He's got other problems. You know what I mean? I, uh, I believe that he needs to be converted to receiver. He's got a age or I can't speak tonight. He's got blocking issues. He's got, um, size issues. You know what I mean? For tight end, he's tall, he's big, he's strong, but he's not your traditional inline tight end. And he's really not really an H back either. He needs, I think you, you draft him and you convert him to wide receiver. Right. Yeah. You've been saying that all along. Absolutely. Yeah. He's very smart. Like a very, if you watch me, the very smart football player. And I think that he would, that would, okay. You gotta be smart to play tight end too. I don't know. There's Gronk, but you gotta be (laughs) smart to play tight end, but his route running is phenomenal. And with his brain, his size and his strength, and you make him a receiver, I think he'd be unbelievable. Right. All right. We, we got our friend Skip Bayless back again. (laughs) Here's, here's, here's Skip, uh, Cam had the same garbage team Brady played with minus the opt-outs. So the question I propose, how does Cam receive tons of criticism when Brady received none? Brady's the golden boy, that's why. I also think that um, Tom Brady performed a little bit better than Cam Newton, right? I mean, he had yeah. 4,000 passing yards. Yep. And and I argue that he didn't have the same uh, team, and, and that's an argument I do make. I think that... Brady had an advantage in one sense and had a disadvantage in another, and Cam had an advantage in one sense and not the other. The offensive line was horrible last season. Like, absolutely horrible. Like, do we have to go back and show highlights of Marshall Newhouse? Does anybody want to relive? Oh, my goodness, I know. He is the worst offensive lineman who's ever played for the Patriots, as far as I'm concerned. Because I'm going to tell you this. David Andrews out in yep. 2019 with his blood clots. And then Isaiah Wynn gets injured again. Yeah. Right. No Mike on Wienu to step in and take over. Okay. Yeah. You lost. So like, that was the thing that, and you know, Ted Karras did a good job where, where, you know, where Andrews wasn't, he had his moments, but I think that from that perspective, Cam Newton had the huge advantage when it came to the offensive line. And because the offensive line was so good, the running game was better for Cam Newton. The running game was was horrible. Yeah. And I, yeah, I know there was that, no Damian Harris either. No, and look, Sony Michelle got like Sony Michelle got um almost nine hundred yards or something. Like people think he was he was terrible, but he didn't really bust off the big runs that Damian Harris busted off for him this year. Yeah. And I'm just trying to pull up player profiler here just to look at the difference in protections, which doesn't translate as well either because Cam Newton set himself up a lot for being sacked. But yeah, it's when you look at throwaways and efficiencies. So when we look at efficiencies of supporting cast, Tom Brady's efficiency for his supporting cast, so that's all his receivers and everything around him compared to Cam Newton's. Uh, much higher in favor of 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 Cam or of 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 Cam Newton or of Tom Brady. I mean, sorry, you know what I yep. mean. But the run game was better for Cam. I just think when you look at all that kind of stuff and and you look at you know true ratings and all that kind of thing, I just want to I want to pull up the. Unfortunately, they they put out new statistics in 2020, which are really really encouraging. Okay, so Cam Newton had a clean pocket percentage of 75.6% this season. Yeah. Tom Brady had a 68.4% last year. 
Yeah, that makes sense. But I don't think that Tom Brady had much of a clean pocket. <laughs> you know what I mean? From time, so probably less. But let's put it this way. Cam Newton wasn't even rated. That's how often he didn't, th- you know what I mean? Like he didn't throw the football. Right. Um, deep ball completions. Cam Newton beat him. Red zone completions. Tom Brady destroyed him. Cam Newton completed 16.7% of his red zone targets this year. Yeah. Tom Brady completed more play action and had a better true completion percentage than Cam Newton last year. Had a true passer rating of 88.6. Cam Newton had a true passer rating of 55.9 this season. Yeah. So I like true passer ratings because that takes all of the little, uh, things into consideration that being said i believe that cam newton was unfairly criticized this year in a way that if the defense let up a touchdown it was cam newton's fault like i think that he became the ultimate scapegoat yeah 100 percent. how many comments that two so far yes sir okay going going to a donation next shout out to love vibration nation he says get pitts a good bridge qb Allen Robinson, draft defensive tackle and edge in the middle rounds and keep our offensive line, run play action with strong D identity. Um, yeah, yep, I could see that working out very well, depending if they can get a good bridge QB, sign Allen Robinson and draft pits and then get some defenses later on and, you know, run the football. I, I could see that working. If you're in the same boat as Connor, and wanting to compete for 2021 and not care about the future, this is the absolute perfect plan. And I'm not knocking you guys wanting it. I I just happen to feel a different way, but it's, I don't think you can go wrong either which way. Uh, I think that you guys had a perfect, if you can get a good, you're not just getting a bridge quarterback though. You're getting a, they call it a bridge, but there's really nobody underneath them. You bring in bridge quarterbacks when you have somebody you're developing, you're bringing in a, a veteran fill in. Uh, as you look for your young quarterback. Absolutely. You get Kyle Pitts. You convert him to receiver. As I said, you hope that here's the whole thing though. Everything you said is hundred percent true, but all of this is predicated on somebody from the rookie class. The last two years getting better. Like Jacoby Myers needs to get better in the red zone. And one of those tight ends, whether it be Dalton Keene or Devin Asiasi have to get better in the passing game. Asiasi's got the blocking game down. Like, yeah. I'm not worried about him there. One of those two guys, though, need to become the other threat at tight end. Uh, absolutely. If you're going for it, I, I 100% agree. I just happen to be on the, I'd rather have a rough 2021 and have a bright future in 2022. But if, if this is the where you're going, I've got zero issue with this plan. And listen, if Belichick decides he's going all in, I'm going to get the future out of my head. I'm going to be all in for a 2021 season. I'm not going to sit here and complain that there's no future. I'm going to say, okay, we're going for it. But I'm going to put out there, Connor, to you and Love Vibration Nation, whoever else feels the same way as you. If the Patriots go to the playoffs this year and get knocked out and maybe 2022, and then we have a five-year stretch of six and, you know, yep. six and 10 seasons, or it has to be six and 11 seasons and all that kind of thing. I don't want to hear you guys complaining because I'm going to it's... say he's, he sold out for two years to try to get back to a Super Bowl. And this is, you know, I'm the one when, when Mac Jones is ripping up the league, I don't want to hear we could have had Mac Jones because I'm going to say, yep, we could have. Yep. <laughs> and I'm not knocking see. you guys. I'm not knocking you guys. I'm just saying there's there's pros and cons to both, yep. right? I totally understand. They could get Mac Jones. Mac Jones doesn't work, and now we got 10 years of misery, right? right? I totally understand that. Um, or he could be good in two years, and he could become Justin Herbert, and we're instantly competing again. Yeah. Uh, 
with you guys, I don't have to sit through any misery for the next two years. That seven and nine is a blip. We win. Belichick retires. They say, hey, maybe Brady and Belichick were both responsible for the, the dynasty. Everybody's happy, but now we've got five years of, of misery, right? So right. I, absolutely. There's pros and cons both ways. I have, I'd rather go to the future. You guys would rather compete for next year. I'll be good no matter which direction we go. Like, and I, Connor, I assume you would be too. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be very telling to see how long Belichick's going to stay in the league depending on what he decides to do this year. All right, let's do a couple more. And thank you very much for the donation, Love Vibration Nation. Really appreciate yes. it. Speaking of donations, we got another one here from Ross. We need a new Will Fork to terrorize that line. Yeah, 100%. I'm, I say, I'm going to give this to yeah. you, Connor, because that's been your line for the last six months. Yeah, it really has, man. That's exactly what the defense has been missing, is somebody like Vince Will Fork who can just absolutely clog up the middle. And we saw that a lot the entire season. They got the ball, ran down their throat over and over and over again. And even in years past when the defense was, weren't that good as far as the secondary went, they always stuffed the run as long as they had Vince Will Fork. They need to find somebody who can fill in almost as well as he played because they have they've just never replaced him. All right, one more, Connor. All righty, we got another donation here. This one is from our boy King Cato twenty one. Thank you very much. Do the Patriots need a bridge quarterback if they draft one? Why not let the rookie start? I would like to see them if they get a rookie. I'm not opposed to saying that the rookie shouldn't start because I think he could potentially win the job in training camp or maybe a similar situation with Tyrod Taylor and Justin Herbert where, you know, they either get injured or they decide to pull the plug on whoever the bridge quarterback would be. But I at least want somebody to be there. I'd like to see them go in there, not just saying, hey, it's the rookie's job no matter what. Everybody outside of Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, and Zach Wilson is a bit of a project. Yeah. Okay? They really are. Um, I'm a huge, huge guy who says all rookie quarterbacks should be redshirted their first year in the NFL. Huge. I I said that Miami should have done it with Tua. I think at the end of the day, I was proven right that he should have sat this year and let Fitzpatrick go. When you think of all the best quarterbacks in the league – Patrick Mahomes, mm-hmm. Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, they all sat behind somebody, learned to be a professional, took a bit of the expectations off. If the Patriots got their hands on Trey Lance, let's say, which I don't think they will, but let's say they do, or they got their hands on Mac Jones, the expectation on those two is going to be through the roof as they're trying to learn to be professionals. If Belichick goes and sells out to build this team, you bring in a bridge quarterback and let the rookies learn to be professionals. Mm -hmm. That's my opinion on it. It's I've always said, even Trevor Lawrence, let, I wanted Joe Burrow to sit for a year. I wanted Trevor. I want Trevor Lawrence to sit for a year. I wanted Tua to sit for a year. I was the guy who came out too and said Tua was going to be better than Burrow. And I'm looking kind of stupid on that right now. There's still time, but make him sit. Lamar sat even for half a season behind Flacco until Flacco really wet the bed. And when they brought Lamar in, that was with zero expectation. And it just happened. He got them to the playoffs. Uh, I'm a big, big, big proponent of letting a guy learn to be a professional first. Yeah. Especially a Mac Jones, if that's who they go with. He's a pocket guy. And if the Patriots offensive line, if they lose Tooney and they're starting to try to figure things out, I mean, what did we talk? Remember the, the the Brady Six. If you start your career bad, it can it can go 
horrible in, in an instant. Yeah, yep. There was that guy out in uh, San Francisco. Yeah, the Italian guy. Yeah, he took a beating, and then he was never good after that. All right, guys, that's about wrapping up our football conversation now. We are very behind schedule. We still got to talk about Jackie Bradley Jr. But first, it is time for... Player profile yes, sir. with Connor Carney. You know when you do this, nobody can see that but you, eh? Oh, I did me. not know. Yeah, so when that music comes on, I just want you guys to know he does this every night. When that music comes on and you guys, all you see is the overlay, Connor starts doing this, and I'm the only one who can see it. Getting prepared. Even the other night he did the whole knuckle crack thing, and I'm like, nobody can see that, man. <laughs> All right, Connor, we're going to look at a very high uh, prospect in the quarterback ranks right now at a North Dakota state. That's Mr. Trey Lance. He's a guy that a lot of people wish the Patriots get on, get their hands on. He probably won't be. He's the 12th ranked uh, prospect in the NFL, but he'll probably go a lot higher. He's a sophomore. He's six foot four, 226 pounds, fourth best receiver in this draft, just behind Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, and Trevor Lawrence. Tell us everything you know about Trey Lance. Trey Lance is a quarterback. He's expected to go pretty high in the draft. Hopefully somebody's, um, franchise quarterback to come. He's very good at throwing the football. He can also run the football. Um, his accuracy is excellent at times, and uh, I, I think he's going to be pretty good in the, in the NFL as long as he can be accurate passing. Now, that was some of his strengths. What are some of his weaknesses? What have you seen that could be a hindrance to him? Uh, some, of, some of his hindrances is if he makes poor decisions, you know, he tries to fit the ball into tight windows, um, overthrowing the wide receivers, you know, not being on the same page as people, and just generally making poor decisions. You have taken a joke and turned it into <laughs> expert analysis. Uh, how much North Dakota state football did you watch this year? Um, none. How much do you really know about Trey Lance? I know that he's a quarterback that's expected to go pretty high. Ladies and gentlemen, that was player profile. As you know, I am somebody who loves people who are committed to the bit, you know, and nobody commits to a bit more than you. That is very true. So (laughs) I was reading something today that says it's looking unlikely that there will be a reunion with Jackie Bradley Jr. and the Red Sox. Yeah. Would the Red Sox be missing anything without JBJ or do they have the pieces that they don't need him? Mm, I I really don't think he's somebody that they're going to need. He's probably the best center fielder in all of baseball, but he's just not that good at hitting, and I don't think his fielding is so good that they're really going to miss him that much. I think he's going to be relatively easy to replace, and they already have quite a bit of people out there in the outfield. They got Verdugo. They got J.D. Martinez when he's not playing DH. They have uh, Ben Attendi. They signed Hunter Renfro. Um, I, I don't think that they really need a lot, a lot of money to JBJ. So if he doesn't want to come back and play for a relatively small contract, I just don't see it being worth it to go get him. So he's 30 years old looking for a four-year contract. Is that too old for the Red Sox? Uh, 
that baseball, that's when you kind of start to get old. I feel like he can still be pretty good for the next four years. Once he's 34, it's going to be a little bit too old, but uh, that, that might be one of the things too, though. They're just, they, they don't want to extend him and tie him up for four years. I think four years is a long time because he hasn't hit very well. So two years from now, he could be hitting 200 again and they're stuck with them. So, Boston Red Sox fans were furious with Johnny Damon when he left Boston and went to New York. And yep. then I kind of laid out to you what actually happened and why he left the Red Sox. Right. In the last year, they've traded Mookie Betts. They've given up on Jackie Bradley Jr., etc. Yep. Let's say that JBJ were to sign with the Yankees. Yep. Who should the fans be mad at? Uh, I honestly wouldn't be too mad at anyone. I think people will be mad at the Red Sox front office and probably blame like Heim Bloom and John Henry and stuff and be more mad at the Red Sox than they would be at JBJ. But I mean, if he, if that's who he wants to go to, I don't know how many people he's, he's going to have, how many teams are really going to be looking to sign him. So if the Yankees are interested, man, if I was him, I'd probably go to them. They're going to be really good. And I don't know how much interest he has in the open market. I know that lots of people in Toronto have been saying to get rid of Gretchen. If that's the case, would would Jackie Bradley Jr. be a good bench player for for the Blue Jays to come out defensively, sort of late in games? That's exactly what he would be good for. He's an exceptional fielder. He's also pretty fast and a really good base runner. So he's somebody that could, you know, pinch run and then go out and play in the field. Um, I don't see him really being an every every uh, day starter in the outfield anymore. I see him being more of probably the number four outfielder unless he goes out somewhere and plays for our, some some random like decent team that's just not that good. So I guess then with the universal designated hitter rule not being applied this season as, as the union wanted, I wonder if perhaps he'd be better off signing with a National League team. He probably would, yeah. Because they're they're going to be looking for somebody obviously who can come in either pinch hit or pinch run when they're going to pinch hit for the the pitcher and then he can go out and play in the field. And you could use him in some double switches and that kind of thing as well. Yeah, they that would probably be more beneficial to somebody in the National League. What is the Red Sox plan? Okay, they're signing some players. They're not signing others. You've called them the kings of being interest. Is this a rebuild? Are they trying to compete on the cheap? Like, what are the, what? I don't understand what, I know they're trying to build <laughs> the farm. Either. Like they're trying to build the farm system. I get it. And then they right. just make a couple of signings that I'm like, it seems like you're trying to put a team together. Like what is the Red Sox plan for this year? It's like they're almost trying to dabble in both. And then I know one of like the owners or it was Larry Lucchino or somebody came out and said that they're planning to try and compete for a championship this year. So I, I don't I don't really know because a couple of weeks ago I came on here and said it looks like, you know, this isn't going to be their year and they're, they're probably not really going to do much and they're playing for the future. And then since then they went out and signed Kiki Hernandez they signed one of the one of the pitchers. I think it was Richards. Now they're saying they're potentially interested in uh, Ozuna. They so who knows? They've also been interested in literally everybody who's come on the market, according to the media. Yeah, according to the media. Yeah, exactly. The media throws the Red Sox name in every single free agent. No different than New England either. I mean, we talked yeah, about Godwin tonight. I'm sure it'll be Allen Robinson next week. It'll be the same. Um, one last point I want to make before we, we get into our final, take five more comments and call it a night. Um, 
Because, yeah, it's that's uh, so I heard Kiki talking the other day and he was saying that he believes the, the Red Sox are being really underestimated. And I know that McChicken's been on that sort of bandwagon as well, that they're, they're being an underestimated team. And I've said that in a little bit too. I think the Red Sox are going to be a lot better than people think. I yeah. don't see them competing in the East. I'm sorry. I don't see them competing against the Blue Jays and the Yankees this season. But I said for those Yankees and Blue Jays teams and the Rays um, and anybody else they have to play, I think they're going to be a pain in the ass. Yeah. What, what do you, do you agree with Kiki that they're being underestimated or do you really see them competing for a World Series this year? Yeah, I I think it's going to be both because I think they're going to be a kind of a scrappy team and they're not going to be a, like a lay down like they were last season because last season they were literally just the laughing stock of the league. Every team just walked over them. The Yankees would come into Fenway Park and easily win two, usually three games, just sweep them. It was just nothing. I think it's going to be much more of a fight. I don't think they're going to go down as as easy. But I, I think their ceiling or their floor, whatever you want to look at, is going to be about 80 games. I think they're, they'll hover right around 500. They'll have some stretches where they look really good and will think they might have a chance to make the playoffs. And then they'll have droughts where they look terrible. But I'm expecting them to be about 500. With the AL looking so strong this year across the board, are you thinking it's going to take 100 wins? To win the, the East? No, just in general. Just to, to make get the, the wild card. I'm looking at the AL in every close. division, and I'm wondering if 100 wins will get you a wild card. Yeah, it's going to be close. It's going to be like uh, like the AFC this year where you needed 11 wins to get in. I think it's going to be like that. You're going to need to be high 90s, if not 100. I think 100 will, will put you there, but that's probably going to be the threshold. Because, I mean, I'm looking at um, – I'm just going to pull up the divisions for a second here. I really didn't plan on this going that long, and this was supposed to be our quick in and out, but – I'm curious because I was looking at the American League the other day. And I'm just going on standings here. Of course, they're showing me World Series. Jesus. Yeah. Okay. So in the Central, you've got the Twins. They're maybe a 90-win team. Right. Then I look at the East. You've got the Rays, who are going to be no pushover. They just re-signed Archer. They're going to be good. Yeah, they're going to be pretty good. That trade is the best trade in the history of baseball. You trade Archer away, you get a bunch back for him, and then you sign him back. And they can sign him <laughs> for, like, what, like $10 million or something for the year? Like, yeah, something something reasonable. So you got the Rays, you got the Yankees, and you got the Blue Jays, who came 1-2-3 last year in that order. The Yankees look like they should be number one, but I think that I don't think people are underestimating the Blue Jays, but I think they're underestimating how good, like that they're at Yankee level right now with their right. pitching and, and who, you know, bringing in Springer. They didn't buy their team like the Yankees did, but they developed it with those three young guys. Now in Springer, now you have that one, two, three, four, that is just terrifying. And then a lot of the good role players, Baltimore, Baltimore to me is, is probably going to be the bottom of the division this year. They, uh, that poor team, man, is just kind of the bottom of the division every year for predominantly the past two decades for the most part. And then I'm looking at Oakland. I'm, uh, Houston's been decimated a little bit, but they've got players back. I think Oakland's Seattle, always good. The Angels is a team that has all the talent in the world. It's just whether or not they're going to put it all together. Right. Right. I think the wild card's going to be tight. I mean, I think you're, you're, you're possibly looking at one of the – like, I mean – I think that it's a very possible situation. You could have two 100-win teams in the AL East and like a 95-win team in the AL East. Right. Yeah. And that's yeah. the two wild cards right there. Yep. 
Yeah, the Red Sox could win, you know, 90 games and not really even be in the running. No, because would you put it past the Rays to win 100 games this year? They could. The Yankees? The Yankees probably will. The Blue Jays? Blue Jays are going to be right there, too. They might be in the high 90s, maybe 100. You know what I mean? The Rays are going to be high 90s, maybe 100. So, I mean, you're talking that, again, just like last year, three the, the two wild card teams coming out oh well the last year is different because you had eight teams that the only reason the blue jays made is because you had eight teams but yeah you could see three playoff teams coming out of the east and i think they're going back to regular playoffs this year right two wild cards plus division winners correct yeah it's back to the back to the normal i'm pretty sure so it's gonna be crazy all right let's pull out some comments connor and wrap this thing up for the week all righty shout out to ross he's got a donation yet thank you sir says fiance can kiki hernandez replace pedroia connor no dustin pedroia man i've really looked back on his career and i've kind of forgot how good he really was dustin pedroia was a stud um, I think Kiki Hernandez will be solid. I'm not expecting him to be a superstar. I don't think he's going to be on Dustin Pedroia's level, but I do think Kiki Hernandez will be a good replacement. I'm going to let you answer Red Sox. Okay. 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 <laughs> we we have one right Listen, up here. Listen, Dustin Pedroia is, is, as a non-Red Sox fan, Dustin Pedroia is a legend. You can't yeah. replace his leadership, let alone what he can actually do. He was such a special player who played with even more special players. Like when he played with Ortiz and, and, uh, laser was, uh, Ellsbury. Right. And, and just, he played with such special players. I think his specialness kind of got shadowed a little bit. Right. Yeah. I think that's what it was too, just because he played with such stars. We got one here from Andy Andy Fan. Mac Jones can replace Brady in New England. Nobody will ever replace Tom Brady ever well, under any no. circumstances ever. I think he means he can replace him as the next quarterback because Cam Newton didn't. Right, you know I mean? right. Okay, yeah. If you're saying that, like as far I, as... I really believe with the Patriots system, with Josh McDaniels and what they want to run, Mac Jones is the answer for the Patriots. Right. I'm really, like, I'm insistent on that. It's why as much as I love Kyle Pitts, and you guys know me, I changed my mind every three days. So, you know, that's why I was really high on Pitts before. Now I'm screaming Mac Jones. But the more and more I'm looking at Mac Jones and, and I've been watching him. And, of course, when I start talking about college prospects, I get really excited because I don't know a lot about them. But as I – we're now at the point now where I'm starting to become more and more familiar with prospects. Uh, I believe Mac Jones is the answer. I really do. Yeah. Of the future, not of 2021. Right, right, for the long-term future. Going here from Fasil, McDaniels clearly prefers pocket QBs. Mond isn't even ready for another three years, not waiting that long. Um, We've talked about this a lot, kind of, I feel like. Do you think McDaniels just didn't really put together a good game plan this year for Cam Newton, or do you just think he doesn't prefer mobile QBs? I think, first of all, he's talking about Kellen Mond, right? Yeah. Um, and I and I agree. Kellen Mond is not the answer for the Patriots. I'm going to steal something from Connor Commentary. Yeah. You, and, but I'm not stealing it from you. <laughs> here, comes, it. here comes Ben. I'm stealing it from Ben. Because I thought Ben made a really great point last year that you brought up like how excited we were at the beginning of the season. Yeah. And then Ben brought up a really good point. Well, game one was all RPOs and Cam Newton running the football. Game two was throwing the football just down the throat of, of Seattle. 
And as they went along the season that play and opened up the playbook a little bit, it got more and more and more complicated. Cam Newton couldn't execute it. Right. And when, when Ben said that last night and, and because I'm falling more and more out of love with Cam Newton, now that I've had time to digest this whole season and, and rewatch the games and stuff, I kind of agree with Ben. Yeah. Um, so do you think it's less on Josh McDaniels or? I think it's a split. I mean, yeah, but I mean, here's the thing. Did Josh McDaniels call four straight run plays in the red zone because he's an idiot? Because one thing we've known about Josh McDaniels, is he's not stupid. Or did he look at the team, look at his quarterback and say, this is all I got. Our right. best chance to score. See the Patriots. If you go back to the last do your job after the 2018 Super Bowl when it was just McDaniels and Belichick breaking down film. And they talked about the the AFC Championship play with with um, Rex Burkhead, right? He says, when you get down in those situations, you call the play the team is the most comfortable with, that they yeah. feel the best about, and you call your best play that you think to score. I think he called those because he looked at his team and said, this is our best chance of scoring because I don't trust Cam Newton throwing the football. Yeah. And the only time they threw for like passes down there in the red zone it was Jacoby Myers or Edelman throwing the football. That's you know, very it was, tri- true. It was, it was trick plays. Yeah. I, I think, I think I, I, in my head, I can remember Cam throwing one to Nikhil Harry where Nikhil Harry just turned around in time because Cam threw it right away and threw it a million miles an hour. I don't even know how Harry turned around and caught the football. Yeah. That's the, in my head, I'm sure maybe it happened another time. I mean, I think he only threw eight touchdowns or something like that, but in my head, that's the only one I can really remember deep in the end in the red zone. So I'm wondering if McDaniels in his mind, he's like, man, I can't open up the red zone playbook. That's with, true too. With Cam. And I look at the same as last year. I know in the AFC or in the AFC championship, the wild card game against Tennessee, and they tried running the football three times with Sony Michelle. I think he looked and said, nobody's getting open. It's not Tom that can't throw the football. Nobody's getting open. We don't have Gronk down here anymore. Harry hasn't been a, you know, a red zone threat. We got to try to run the football and try to pound it in. That's really what I think is happening right now. I don't think it's Josh McDaniels being incompetent. I think it's just the actual talent on the offense. And I think that we have overestimated that. Again, in the midst of the season, I'm going to defend the Patriots. They could lose 50 to nothing and I'm going to defend them. You know what I mean? And I'm going to find every good thing that happens because I'm, I'm relatively a pretty positive guy when it comes to football. And even in my, in my, my negative takes, I'm pretty positive, but we're now, dude, we're like, we're over a month removed now. You know what I mean? I've had time to digest what I've seen. I had time to think about it. I had time to read about it. I had time to rewatch games. Uh, I've watched the, like, I've watched the whole season over again. Uh, you know, and yeah, I, I don't put as much blame on McDaniels now as I did maybe five, six weeks ago. Right. Yeah, he wasn't working with much. We Two got more, Connor. We got one here. It's kind of something I completely forgot about from uh, Mitchell Mullet saying, everyone misses Danny Vitell. He's coming back as well. I forgot all about Danny Vitell. He opted out, right? Danny Vitale? Yeah. Um, I thought Jakob Janssen did a fine job last year. I thought he did pretty good, too. Um, but I, I don't know if Vitali, Danny Vitali brings more than Jakob Janssen brought, to be honest okay. with you. That's my opinion. And I think that Jakob is young and I think Vitali's old and you could have Jakob for a long time as your, 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 you know, your fullback. 
Right. That's true because I did I Vital is is kind of old. I just I feel it's like Italian, ha- it's Vitali. Vitali. I feel like they haven't replaced um James Devlin since he left two years ago, but he was also just a stud. I don't know. If you watch this year, Jakob did a great job with Damian Harris. Yeah. Phenomenal. Again, again though, and I'm not knocking Devlin, but Devlin as a fullback is only as good as the offensive line in front of him. Right? Like yeah. a quarterback is only as good as the offensive line. A running back is only as good as the offensive line in front of them. Um, I thought Jakob did a fine job running behind Tooney and Mason and and Andrews. Last year was just such a mess, I think, that, well, A, Devlin got hurt, and I thought Jakob did a fine job until he got hurt. Don't forget, Jakob Janssen missed a lot, almost all of last season, too, right after he, Landon Roberts became our fullback. Yeah, yeah he did. I thought I to me I thought Jakob Johnson did a fine job. I would I would take him back in a heartbeat. All right, we got a uh, a donation here from King Cato. Thank you, sir. He says uh, Taga Tulima, if I'm saying that right, worth a late round draft pick. <laughs> Who I I feel like I've read something on him. Um, is he a quarterback? I just. You know, you you said his like you butchered his name like I butchered name. Probably, right? yeah. I don't know how to say this name. T a a g a t u u l i m a. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Taiga. I'm just gonna say Taiga. <laughs> uh, six foot two, two hundred sixty five pound offensive tackle. Okay, I was way off. Oh no, hold on. Sixteen recruit. Oh no. Oh no! Yeah, next college student athlete. This is this is back in sixteen. Yeah, he's a, he's an offensive lineman. I uh, don't know, or I don't know, uh, Joe. I'm gonna assume. I'm gonna go on a hint here, and assume he's from Hawaii. It's quite possible, yeah. He is. No, I meant University of Hawaii. Yeah. Joe's a uni- is a Hawaii fan, so he'll ask me. He's asked me questions about Hawaii plays before, and I gotta figure out. You know you don't bandwagon when you're a fan of the University of Hawaii. That's very you know? true. <laughs> you uh, do not hear them very often. Joe, I gotta do some I gotta do some research on him, man. If yeah. I'm only learning the top prospects right now, I, I'm not sure about uh we're gonna call him Taga. But I will say yes. <laughs> late round late round pick. They can get him in the seventh. I'm all for it. Connor is going to give a full breakdown uh, of him one day. Yes, sir. we figure out how to say his name. I'm trying to see if he's got a profile yet on uh, the Draft Network. That'll give me a better idea of who he is. I've watched zero tape on him, obviously. Uh, They have him down as an undrafted free agent. Okay. So, if I'm looking at the right guy here. Okay. That's it, guys. Um, listen, Connor and I will have a late start on Sunday. Obviously we're not going to start broadcasting during the Super Bowl, uh, even though we did it during the championship game. Uh, yeah. we are going to, uh, broadcast after the Super Bowl, react to what we see in the Super Bowl. I will be live all by my lonesome on Friday and Saturday, unless Connor texts me and says, Hey, I'll jump on with you. I will be all by myself live here for you guys taking primarily taking your questions, not bringing a lot of my own topics. Connor will be back on Sunday. Our boy. Tyson from Master at Work will be on Monday to talk about the Super Bowl. Sarah should be back on Tuesday. Make sure you check out 
our film room tomorrow of Curtis Samuel, courtesy of our boy Lawrence Owen at 10 a.m. Eastern time. And we will have our Super Bowl predictions on Patreon this weekend. Connor and I will both be doing our own separate Super Bowl predictions on there. Uh, besides all of that, Connor, it's the end of the week for us. Tell me about those Red Sox. They're going to be legit, kid. Hi, I'm Mercedes Nickel, four-time Winter Olympian and host of Dropping In, a podcast with Mercedes. This is a podcast where I interview a bunch of different people. I get the good, the bad, and the ugly, as well as I share my stories along the way. Now you can drop in at droppingin.com or subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube. I'll see you soon. Come on, let's go. The Blue Hotel I wanna live At the Blue Hotel The podcast that goes everywhere The imagination dares It's for the open-minded The pleasure seeker It's Jeff Woods with the new podcast about relationships and sexuality, theme-based with special guests, the Blue Hotel Hotline, and every episode climaxes with an adult bedtime story. Get a room and listen in at the Blue Hotel. Begins Friday, September 23rd.